Welcome to the podcast for Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to subscribe to this podcast for the latest updates and new episodes. You can also search for our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcast, and tune in. Make sure to join us each Sunday at 9 on Facebook Live. Our in-person service times are 9 and 10.30 a.m. in English and 11.45 in Spanish. Also, Celebrate Recovery meets each Monday night at 6.30. Well, we celebrate today. Are you kidding me? Oh, 200 kids and 100 leaders across our campuses. Man, we just celebrate an incredible week. Uh, two weeks now of ministering to our kids. Uh, on the cornerstone of this building uh, is the scripture. It says future generations will be told about the Lord. And that's what weeks like this are all about for us. We're going to keep celebrating this morning. And kids, you're actually going to hang out in the room with us this morning. I know it's a little bit different, but we're going to keep celebrating. And we want you to be in the room with us as I get to celebrate uh, two of my dear friends, uh, Pastor Jim and Deb Harris. I'm going to have them step forward. They like to try to hide behind the TV, I learned. So I'll try to get them up here where you guys can see them more than me. But today, today is a really special day as we celebrate Pastor Jim's retirement from full-time ministry here at our church. You might have noticed a parade of cookies when you came in. Some of you just thought this is the best day ever to have just showed up. And and it is, but it's also because we're celebrating uh, today. Not just our VBS workers and kids, but also uh, Pastor Jim. We have some uh, pictures here on the screen uh, that are going to help us celebrate a little bit. Uh, This is uh, Jim and Deb, and if you know this couple, you know that Deb is one of the best things about Jim. Uh, But I love this picture because Jim looks a little bit terrified, and I'm not quite sure what is happening there. Uh, But it can't be because of Deb, because what a blessing she is and has been uh, to his life. Uh, They love their kids, and uh, from, uh, there you go, as a young father getting to hold, I think that's Stephen there in the picture in the early years. Well, 24 years on our staff is a long time, and be careful how long you hang out somewhere because there's some uh, embarrassing pictures every now and then. I don't know if this is embarrassing, but uh, there's some really good hairstyles represented in this picture. This is uh, of our staff several, several years before I was on staff, uh, and you'll see Pastor Jim seated there in the middle. Uh, The next picture, just some incredible partnerships and friendships as we minister together among pastors. Uh, Pastor Jim loves Alabama Crimson Tide. He says if you cut him, he bleeds crimson. Uh, and I think he's raised like hundreds of dogs, right? Yeah, that's the right answer, I think. Uh, yeah, but he loves, uh, loves animals and has raised so many dogs. And of course, uh, his family uh, with Stephen and Sarah and Beth. And they're, of course, gr- uh, extended family, grandkids. And so today we're going to celebrate. In a minute, I'm going to ask you to join me in celebrating. But I, just, I wrote down a couple things that I just wanted to, to read and to share today. Over the last 24 years, Jim, you've ministered in countless ways. I wrote down just a few of the ways. I wrote down preacher and teacher, as you've led countless Bible studies and small groups and taught numerous classes. Many of us in the room have sat under your teaching in some way, and it has impacted us in, in so many ways. I wrote down the word shepherd. Now, uh, many of you know, over the last however many years, his role, his title here on our staff has been shepherding pastor, but Jim really does exemplify to us a shepherd, what a shepherd uh, should be. Uh, hundreds and hundreds, of, I wrote on hospital visits and phone calls and home visits to individuals who needed uh, care and support. Um, you've helped us celebrate in the joys of good news. When good news is happening, 
Pastor Jim often is, is making sure we're aware of it. At the same time, he's also walking and has walked with so many of us uh, in times of sorrow and grief. And so as a shepherd, he's helped us celebrate the really exciting moments, but also helped us as we celebrate and even grieve in the hard moments. Uh, I haven't counted, but if I tried, then the, the number of memorial service and family nights and graveside services, not just that you've, you've officiated, but also that you've just attended and supported. So many of us here as a church family have been impacted just by his presence, just showing up. Um, your impact on the community is immeasurable in that way. I wrote down leader to our men. Uh, you've led in a lot of ways, but you've been so committed in helping our men by leading prayer and leading small groups and, and Bible studies and mentoring and discipling men, our men's retreat, uh, walking with them uh, through challenging days. A leader to our joy group, our, our age 55 and older adult group, has been a specific area of focus, and you have loved and served well. You really have shared your life with them along this journey. Uh, finally, I just wrote, uh, Jim has been a tremendous support to me, not just to Pastor Kerry and his leadership for 24 years uh, prior to me, but even just these last few years as I've served as pastor, you've been such an incredible encouragement and support to me and a friend to me. I really, church, can think of no better way to summarize it than this. There are so many people today who know Jesus because of the ministry of Pastor Jim Harrison and even more who I say would know him better because of him. So church family today, uh, we give glory to God, but we honor you, Jim. We honor you, Deb, for your commitment and sacrifice to our church. Church family, would you help me today as we celebrate Pastor Jim and Deb Harrison? You can, you can remain standing for just a minute because in just a minute, I'm going to ask for your help one more time. We do have a gift. Now, these are definitely for you. I don't, Jim would kill those things probably. I don't know. Maybe he'd do good with them. But uh, this is, I'm going to give it to him, but that's definitely for both of you also on behalf of the church. And tomorrow we get the privilege of celebrating uh, Jim with our pastors and staff, and we have some more things to give you then. You were very, very excited about the crimson color of your gifts, so... Uh, that we didn't, uh, we didn't pull a, a quick one on you. Uh, but I want to do something uh, now, church. I want to pray uh, just God's blessing over Jim and Deb in this season, uh, over their family. And, and I know many of you today, um, your life has been impacted. Uh, if your life has been impacted at all through the ministry of this church over the last 24 years, then your life has been impacted through the ministry of Pastor Jim. And so as I pray, I, I know that you want to pray with me. So I'm going to have the microphone and I'm going to place my hands on him and pray. But I know right where you're at, uh, if you would just join me in prayer. So church family, uh, let's pray. God, we are grateful today. Uh, our hearts are full. <laughs> because when we celebrate uh, our friends, our leaders, we really, God, we're honoring you. We're celebrating you. We're, we're acknowledging every good and perfect gift. That's what it says in the book of James. Every good and perfect gift is from you. And so, Lord, <laughs> Pastor Jim and Deb, they're a gift from you. 
And we, we have been blessed. We have been touched. We have benefited as a church uh, th- throughout generations, Lord. Their impact is being felt as future generations are being told. And so today, we thank you for their lives. We thank you for the impact of their ministry. And we pray now over these days that you would bless them, that you'd go before them, that these would be precious days uh, for them as a couple. And not just them, Lord, we pray today for their family. We thank you so much for their kids and their spouses and their grandkids, Lord, and we would pray in these days that you would guard and protect them, that you would come alongside their, their, their family and that these days would just be filled with your blessing and your joy and your richest blessing, that the rest of their days truly would be, God, the best days that you have for them. I pray today uh, some of us will stop by and, and extend our thanks and personal greetings in, in different ways. But Lord, as a church, we want to we celebrate, we want to honor well, because we know today we stand on the back of, of those that have gone before us. And so today as a church, we are so grateful, Lord, so grateful for the way that you have loved us through Jim and Deb Harrison. Today as a church, we honor and we celebrate and we thank you, Jesus, in your name we pray. Amen. One more time, church. Could you help me just thank them? Ha. We love you. We love you guys. I love you. Thank you so much. I love you. Well, I'm going to take just a few minutes today, a few minutes today, uh, to talk to you about questions. We, as a church, over the last few uh, weeks, have been talking about questions. And I, I've shared this before, but I love to ask questions. Questions. People that know me well may groan a little bit and roll their eyes like, ah, I love to ask questions. And kids, kids are in the room today, right? Kids, I know something about you. You love to ask questions, right? You love to ask questions. You're in the car. Are we there yet? What's that smell? Daddy, why are there bags under your eyes? You know, all the questions that kids ask, right? And we know this well. And so I joke that because I ask so many questions, God has blessed me with four kids that love to ask questions. So I think it's appropriate today with kids in the room that we're talking about questions. I brought a couple things with me to help me today because the truth is today, now, we have a way to help us with our questions, don't we? I have this little thing in our house and it's not like you don't have one too. Many of you, kind of a Google mini kind of thing. Anybody have one of these or something like it in your home, right? The beautiful thing about this is you can just ask it questions all day. If you ask me questions all day, probably by the like 20th one, I'm like, Ask your mom. Uh, you know, I don't know what to say, but, but the good thing about Google, it, it keeps going and it keeps going and it keeps going. Um, it, but now the good news is this. You don't even have to just be home with your Google. You can go anywhere, right? And you, you have the power of, of Siri now to ask all kinds of questions. And so I, I'm going to try this. It worked a little bit last service, so we'll see. Um, you can ask Siri all kinds of things. Like our youngest, Glory, she loves to go over and just have conversations with Google and ask it all kinds of questions. So one of her, her favorite questions is this. I'll see if Siri can help us. Hey, Siri, what does a hyena say? A spotted hyena sounds like this. Some of you are like, I never needed to know that that question had it, but, but now you know, right? And, and all kinds of, we, we do this, we could go on for hours. I thought this was a really good question I asked this morning. Hey Siri, are the Red Sox better than the Yankees? As of today, the Red Sox have the better record. I guess it's true. As of today, how do you argue? Siri is always right. <laughs> 
correct, right? Uh, this is a fun one too. We do, I'll just do one more. Some of you are worried this is going to be the next 30 minutes. So um, uh, this is a fun one though. Hey Siri, what's a good joke? A guy took his new sailboat out for the first time and got caught in a storm. As the waves tossed the boat around, he fumbled for the radio. Hello, Coast Guard? I'm in my new sailboat and I'm caught in a storm, he shouted. This is the Coast Guard, they answered. What is your current position? The guy thought about it for a second, then said, curled up on the deck and crying. Why? I have no idea what just happened. That was the longest worship. I feel better about my jokes because of that. I was like, where is the, I'm sorry. So uh, we aren't even like streaming this online. If I would, I'd say like, let's cut that part out. But uh, anyway, the point is, right, we today, we're going to talk about a question that even Siri can't help us with. And Google has no shot. Uh, because we're talking about, we're calling them burning questions. Burning, I'm going to silence this because one of y'all is going to text me and make it blow up really loud here. Uh, we're talking about burning questions. And you're like, what is a burning question? These are hard questions, difficult questions. And, and why are we doing this? Are we just doing it for fun? Are we just doing it because like Pastor Billy last week and me to see a sweat? And no, 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 no. We're doing it because we, we believe these questions are really important. And these questions help us understand what what we believe about God's word, what, how his word tells us to live. And these are questions other people are asking. Other people are asking these burning questions. And so we want to be able to have an answer as we engage and love those around us. So today's question is this. I have it here on the screen. I'm a Christian, but I still sin. What is wrong with me? Listen, it does not matter how old you are in the room today, from the youngest boys and girls in the room to the most seasoned grandparent, every single one of us, this question I believe is relevant to us today. And that's why we're going to dive in and talk a little bit more about it. So why this question? We start every week uh, defining why is this question so important that we're taking a Sunday to do that. I have another object uh, here. This is, of course, a really beautiful piece of pottery. Uh, a beautiful mug. I didn't make it. If I made it, it wouldn't be beautiful. It would be like, wow, did your third grader make it? Make, nope, that's mine. Um, but this is, of course, somebody that really knew what they were doing made this. Because you can tell in the craftsmanship and the beautiful way, the ridges on the side and the painting and the coloring and the way, I mean, it is beautiful. It's beautiful. It looks like an awesome mug. There's one problem with it. There's one problem with it. It leaks. <laughs> It leaks. You would never in your right mind, you would never in your right mind drink coffee or anything from this because it leaks. So it looks really good and you can put your marbles in it or your coins or whatever you put in it, but, but you would never use this for the purpose that was originally intended because it leaks. And here's the truth. This is why we're asking this question today. Because we, you and I, all leak. <laughs> Not literally. Some of you are looking at your chair like, what? No, no, no. Listen, listen. We, it doesn't matter. And some of you, you look really good today. I mean, you really do. And, and you might be looking around, but look, oh, that person, they have it put together. And that person, the truth is that we all leak. We all do. We all have cracks. We all have waste. We call that sin. And the truth is, why are we asking this question is because we are all sinners. That's what the Bible tells us, that we are sinners. We have leaks. And the good news, the good news is that Jesus came to forgive us so that we could be forgiven. But even after we're forgiven, some of us have doubts. Some of us wrestle. Some of us deal uh, today with, with questioning, doubting ourselves, doubting God, or questioning, am I really a Christian because of the sin, because of the leaks 
in my life. Or maybe we believe that God is somehow disappointed or ashamed of us. And so it's really important today that we take a few minutes to answer this question and understand what is it that God wants to say to each of us. So let's pause for a minute, church. Could we pray? Could we pray as we dive into this question? Lord, I thank you for every person in the room today. And I thank you that every person in the room is loved by you. And as we ask this question and we understand a little bit more, Lord, uh, about the good news, that's what the gospel is. It's good news. So there's good news for us today. I pray that we would open up our hearts and open up our minds to receive from you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's start as we answer this question. Let's start by being really clear. Sin is dark and dangerous. It, It displeases God. It actually, what does sin do? It destroys us. The Bible says the wages of sin, meaning the payment of sin, that if we give out sin, if we're, if we're having sin in our lives, what do we get in return? We get, we get death and destruction. It separates us from God, that in a relationship with God, sin is always going to divide us and separate us from God. It will keep us from experiencing the closeness and intimacy that God desires. It is God's desire for you not to sin. That's true. It's so important for us to know that the sin is what nailed Jesus to the cross. When he went to the cross, the reason he did was because of my sin in your sin. So we must never make the mistake of taking sin lightly. We must never think that it doesn't matter to God because it does. But what do we do with our sin? If the truth is that you and I, we leak... (laughs) No matter how good we look and no matter how polished we are and how righteous, that's a really big biblical word for having it all put together. No matter how righteous we might seem, we leak. So if that's true, and it's also true that that sin matters to God, then what do we do with our sin? That's the question today. How do you face your own sin? And fortunate for us, the Bible is really clear. So open with me. We're going to be in 1 John chapter 1. And today we're just going to look at two verses Two verses, really short, but I think these are really important for us. And if you brought your Bible, you can turn there. If you have your Bible app on your phone, that's a great place to open up to. We have an event set up there. And we're going to look at just two verses in 1 John chapter 1. Uh, 1 John is written by a guy named John. That's right. You're like, man, you didn't have to go to Bible school to answer that one. And John was a disciple of Jesus. And so at the end of his life, he's writing these words in 1 John. And, and really for us, he's clarifying the truth about sin and helping us answer our question for today. 1 John 1, verse 8 and 9, and we're going to stop a few times through it, uh, but let's see. Uh, Verse 8 of 1 John 1 says this, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. What's the truth? What's the truth? The truth is... We sin. We're sinners, every single one of us. And look, if we try to pretend like we don't, we try to pretend like, well, that's not me. I'm good enough. I can work hard enough. I'm moral enough. Then that's a lie. That's a lie. And we're just deceiving ourselves is what John says. We're just, if you try to act like you can do it on your own and you've got it, man, you're just lying to yourself and the truth is not in you. That's the foundational verse here. And then we're going to spend the rest of our time in verse 9. Look at it with me. I have it here on the screen. Uh, if we confess our sin, there's a reason I've got this part underlined because what's happening here in verse 9 is an incredible promise of God, but it comes with a condition. 
Now, you may say, I don't really, kids, you absolutely know what conditions are, and I'm going to prove it. Uh, if mom and dad has ever said, if you eat your dinner, you can have dessert. Kids, anybody ever, mom and dad ever said that to you? Just my kids. Okay, good. Right. I see some hands there, right? That's a condition, right? It means you can have dessert if you do what? Eat your dinner. So it's an incredible promise. Dessert is always an incredible promise, by the way, right? But it comes with a condition. Or if you get all A's on your report card, I'll buy you a pony. I hope no parent in here has ever said that. But right, right, that's a condition. It's a promise that comes with a condition. And so 1 John 1, 9 is an incredible promise, but it comes with a condition. And what's the condition? I underlined it right there for us. If we confess our sins. Would you read that with me uh, right here on the screen? If we confess our sins. Making sure you're paying attention, but this is so important because this is our part. Everything else we're going to read in verse 9 is God's part, and it is incredible. An incredible promise that brings hope for every single one of us. But this first part is important because this is our part. If we confess. And you may say, what does that mean? Confess. We talked about this earlier in our our late uh, spring, early summer. We talked about Psalm 51. David writes a psalm of confession. And as we looked at this idea of what it means to confess, we talked about this, that uh, confessing means to admit. It means I, I don't run away. I don't hide. I don't pretend. And can I be honest with you, church? I'm terrible at this. Because in my nature, and again, in my nature, I leak, right? I, I'm, I'm a sinful guy. So in my nature, you know what I do? I like to defend myself. I like to excuse maybe the bad things that I'm doing or pretend that that's, oh, it's not that bad. Or it's easy for me to say, well, I'm not that bad. Look at what they do, right? That, that's in my nature, that's what I do. I'm not good at confessing. I'm good at comparing or rationalizing or explaining away, but that's not what the truth of 1 John 1, 9 says. It says if we confess, confession means being honest. Being honest with ourselves and honest with God, it means agreeing with God about sin. That sin is dark and dangerous in my life. Confession means we acknowledge what sin did to Jesus. That my sin nailed Jesus to a cross. That's hard, isn't it? It's hard to hear, but that's what confession means. If we confess, we acknowledge there's consequences to our sin. We don't pretend like our sin isn't hurtful or isn't painful. We acknowledge that our sin has destructive consequences. We even acknowledge that I don't deserve to be forgiven. Confession acknowledges, God, I don't even deserve your forgiveness. But then and only then, as we confess, we're ready to turn from our sin. And what happens? What's the promise? If we confess our sin, the next part of the verse says what? He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins. This is the good news of the promise. That if we confess, what happens? He forgives. He forgives. That he is faithful, it says. He's faithful. He keeps his promise every time. He is faithful. When we, when we confess, he's faithful to forgive. When we confess, he is just to forgive. What does that mean? It's because Jesus has already paid the price for our sins, that when we confess, he is just every single time in forgiving us because of Jesus. And there's one more part. This is a really good promise, but it's not done. Look at the last part. He's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and do what? Purify us from all unrighteousness. 
It's not just that he forgives us. He longs to purify our hearts, to lead us, to give us a new heart that doesn't desire to return to the old patterns of sin in our lives anymore. He begins to transform us. Now notice what 1 John 1.9 does not say. You know what it doesn't say, church? It doesn't say if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins as long as they're not too serious. It doesn't say that. See, this is an enduring promise. Some of, some of you believe today that you're beyond forgiveness because of what you've done, maybe the magnitude of your sin or the quantity of your sin, how many times you've made mistakes in your, how many leaks have happened in your mug. But that's not a biblical truth. See, the sad part is some of us don't believe 1 John 1, 9 is true. Not for us, anyway. I read these words, and I say they're good news, and you look around the room and say, well, maybe that's good news for them, but not for me. Well, the truth is, the question, I'm a Christian, but I still sin. What's wrong with me? The answer to that is quite simply this, nothing. Nothing. If you're asking that question, you're wrestling with that question that you're a Christian, that you've put your faith and trust in Jesus to be your savior. You believe that he died for you on the cross to set you free from sin, but you still struggle. The answer is nothing is wrong with you. You know what would be wrong? What would be wrong is to entertain sin and dabble in it, to accept sin in your life as just normal. Or believe that God kind of winks at it and he's okay with it. That, that cheapens grace. That cheapens the, the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. But listen, listen, this is an important truth today. There's nothing wrong with an honest heart that genuinely wants to be forgiven. I'm going to say that again because some of us need to hear that today. Some of us need to receive that in the depths of our soul. There is nothing wrong with an honest heart that genuinely wants to be forgiven. If you're asking that question, what's wrong with me? I want you to know today a powerful truth that you're not alone. You see, one of the lies that we believe is there in the question, something's wrong with me. Something's wrong with me. I look at everybody else. They've got their act together, but what's wrong with me? That's the first lie. But the second lie is this, I'm all alone. I'm, I'm, no one else is dealing with what I'm dealing with. See, sometimes we can believe the lie that everyone else has it put together. No one else struggles the same way I do. And this kind of thinking is dangerous because it perpetuates a cycle of shame in our lives. So, so I, I, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. I have a relationship with him. I'm a Christian, but, but I'm still struggling over here. And I feel guilty about it. I don't want to struggle like that anymore. But I look around and I don't believe anybody else struggles like I do. And so rather than dealing with that and acknowledging that and allowing God to deal with that, I, I keep it a secret. And that secret in my life just breeds shame. I feel ashamed. Well, how, could I, how could God ever love me? Look at what I've done. And, and that secrecy breeds shame. And that cycle of shame causes us, instead of to seek repentance or redemption or forgiveness, to just continue in that pattern of brokenness. I was thinking of an example uh, when I was in eighth grade, and I'm not going to out myself all the way because I just don't want to do that today, but I'm just here to tell you, I, I disobeyed my parents. I, now, I've done it you know, many times. I'm like, yeah, but this is one example where I just specifically remember my parents said, don't do that, and I did it. 
And, and I would love to tell you as a pastor today that the following day, my heart was so heavy that I came in and I knelt at my parents' feet and said, I've, I've confessed that I've done wrong. Would you forgive me? But that would be a total lie. Because the truth is I tried to get away with it. And I got found out. <laughs> I got found out. I got busted, as you would say. And so, so how did my parents respond in that moment? Oh, they weren't, they weren't happy. They didn't say, oh, that's no big deal. Keep, we love you, it's fine. No, 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 there was consequences for my disobedience. Very immediate and long-term consequences, that's true. But, but in that moment, did my, my parents in my disobedience, did they respond? Now, my parents are not perfect parents, okay? But they love Jesus, and I was, I was privileged of raising in a home where they desired to, to teach me and, and, and love me. Uh, according to what God would do. So, so in that moment, did they, did they just want guilt and shame to feel so heavy on me? When I go home to see my parents, do they say, oh, here he comes. Remember that time in eighth grade when he blew it? I can't believe, no, that's not it. Why? They don't want me to walk in shame and guilt anymore. They want me to turn from that, to grow because of it, and walk in freedom. And so if that's how, how my parents would respond, imagine how the heart of our God responds. See, the truth is, when our sins fester in secret, all that does is breed hopelessness. We believe the lie that there's no hope for us. That's how we feel. But today there's good news. The good news is this, you're not alone. You don't need to live in shame. Look around you today. Actually, the battle that you have, the same battle other people in this room have. You are surrounded today, not by perfect pieces of pottery, but by cracked and broken people that leak. That's the truth. But here is the difference. As the body of Christ, we are cracked and broken people. But here's the difference about us who claim to know Christ. We don't desire to hide our sin. We don't desire to excuse our sin. We don't desire to pretend our sin. We desire to expose our sin. Not expose each other's sin like, yeah, back there in the third row, there's a gossiper. No, 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 no. We desire to bring our sin before the Lord so we confess our sin. He's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness righteousness. What is the saying? The saying is you're only as sick as your secrets. So we are passionate as as believers in Jesus Christ, as a community of faith, about not hiding and not explaining it away, but exposing it, not letting shame have another day of, of claiming victory in our lives, being brave enough to share your struggle with someone you trust, and most importantly, bringing it before the Lord. In Romans 2, Paul says it this way, that his kindness, the kindness of God, leads us to repentance. Later in Romans 8, he would say it this way, that if we are in Christ, if we have a relationship with Christ, there is no condemnation. We're not condemned anymore. We're not condemned in our sin and in our brokenness because we're in Christ. See, this is a truth that I want to carry with you as you prepare to close today. The truth is this, when Jesus sees your sin, he doesn't condemn you. He says, I can help with that. 
When Jesus sees your sin, our reaction is to feel like he condemned. Our reaction is to feel like he's disappointed. Our reaction to feel like, oh, we're a failure. Our reaction is to compare ourselves to everyone else and feel like we don't measure up. But the truth is, the voice of the Lord today says, hey, I want to help you with that. Don't hide it from me. Don't don't run from me. Bring it to me. Come to me. I want to help you with that. I was thinking about my own kids, not specifically by name, that's not what this is about, but just imagine, I know there's some parents in the room. I want you to imagine your own kids. Every parent, I think it could be said, they desire for their kids to obey them, right? And not because like what I say goes, no, because I hope and believe as I'm praying and trusting the Lord, I've got some wisdom I want to impart. I want to, I want to help my kids avoid some unnecessary challenges. I want to help guide and direct them on a path. So that, that's our heart as parents, why we desire our kids to obey us. But the truth is, the truth is, there will be moments, right? There will be times, parents, where your kids don't obey you. How, how is it in that moment that you want them to respond my kids, right? My kids, if they don't obey me, if they don't obey their mom, you know, in that moment, do, do I want them to hide from us? Do I want them to run away? Do I want them to feel overcome by guilt and shame that they think there's no way I could talk? Dad, there's no way I could bring, Mom, there's no way I could talk to you about this. Oh, there's no way I could, is that how I want them to feel in that moment? No. Does that mean that, that maybe their disobedience wouldn't be painful? That's I'm Sure. Does that mean there wouldn't be consequences? Yeah, there probably would be. But what is the posture as a father in that moment, even if my kids, is come to me. Don't run from me. Don't hide from me. Don't believe the lie that I don't love you, that I don't receive you as my son and my daughter. Now, I am a cracked individual. I'm a human just like you. But if that's how I feel As a father, imagine today how much greater your heavenly father feels about you. That in a moment of disobedience, his heart is, oh, don't run from me. Don't hide from me. Don't believe the lie that this somehow disqualifies you from my love. Come to me. I want to help you with that. As we close today, I want you to think about two responses to your sin. Two responses, two voices. The the one is an enemy. There is an enemy of our soul. The Bible tells us that in his desire. He wants to steal and kill and destroy your life. He wants to divide you. He he wants shame to to be the the record playing in your mind over and over every day. That's his desire. But, But there's another voice. It's the voice of the Lord. And I want you to imagine as we close today, those two voices in response to our sin. In response to our sin, what does the enemy say? Oh, see, I told you, you're not a Christian. Oh, you, you thought you trusted Jesus. You thought you were a follower of Jesus, but now look at that. That's what the enemy says, doesn't he? What else does the enemy say? Oh, don't bother praying about this. God will never forgive you for that. Oh, you were forgiven maybe a hundred times, but that's enough. God's through with you. Or the enemy says this, right? Be careful, don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody. Keep your image up for the benefit of others. That's the Christian way to do things. And now, if that's what the enemy says, what is it that your heavenly father 
the God who created you, the God that sent his own son to the cross for your sin? What is it that he says to you in response to your sin? He doesn't condemn you. He says, I can help you with that. I can help you with that today. Today, no matter your age, no matter who you are, no matter if you have been a believer in Jesus Christ for your entire life or this whole Jesus thing is brand new to you today, you, you can receive the promise that if you confess your sin, he's faithful and he's just and he'll forgive you. So would you help me uh, as we prepare to close? I'm gonna invite every person in the room. Would you help me? Would you just close your eyes? I wanna pray with you. I wanna pray for you. And I like, I like sometimes to just remove distraction. And kids, you have been so awesome in the room today. I've loved having you in the room and you've been so attentive. But we're gonna spend just two more minutes together and we're gonna pray. And this prayer really is for all of us. I think some of us in the room, uh, there's something in our lives today that we need to confess to the Lord. We don't need to hide it. We don't need to explain it away. We want the power of God to expose it so that we can be healed, so that we can be forgiven. So today, if that's you, if there's something in your life today that you want to bring before the Lord, you're not proud of it, but today you know that the truth of God's word, the good news of the gospel is that if you confess your sin, he is faithful. He is just he will forgive and he desires to cleanse you. If that's you today, I'm gonna to ask you to join me in doing something right where you're at. I'm, would you just raise your hand? It's just a posture of saying, God, I surrender. God, I'm reaching out to you. The truth is he's already reached out through Jesus. He's already made a way. And, and our response today is one of just saying, God, I confess. I cry out to you. I need you. I don't wanna hide any longer. So Lord, today across this room, all generations, God, today are crying out to you, asking you to be near to us, to search us is what the psalmist said, and know our hearts, test us, and know our anxious thoughts, see if there be any offensive way in me. And so, Lord, that's the heart of confession today, is, Lord, today, if, if there's anything in my life that doesn't please you, if there's anything I've bought into the lie that I'm alone, I've bought into the lie that there's something wrong with me, I've bought into the lie that I'm beyond forgiveness today, we choose to bring those to the foot of the cross. There is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. So today we don't stand condemned. Instead, we hear your voice saying, I wanna help you with that. I wanna forgive that. I wanna heal that. I wanna redeem that. And so today, all across this room, we come, we pray in faith. We believe in faith that as we pray, you forgive us, that we can walk in freedom. We don't have to walk in shame anymore. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. You can open your eyes. There's good news today, church. The good news is some of us around the room today, we prayed that. We believe today the truth that we don't have to live in guilt and shame, that God offers forgiveness even for me, even for cracked and broken me. And if that's true today, don't you want to celebrate that? Thank you, God, for your forgiveness. Today, if, if you had the courage to pray that, tell somebody, tell a parent, tell a neighbor, tell a friend, tell somebody at the next steps, just don't walk alone because that's the lie of the enemy that you're alone. And the truth is you are not alone. Would you stand to your feet? We're almost done. 
We're going to have some cookies. We're going to celebrate the good news of the gospel. But before we do that, uh, there's no band coming. There's no musicians coming. I'm all alone up here, but there's a simple chorus that I want to sing. It was on my heart this week. I think it's an appropriate benediction for us today. You may not know it. You might know it. Uh, If you know it, sing it loud, but we're going to sing it twice. If you don't know it, maybe you'll catch on the second time. It goes like this. I love you, Lord. If you know it, sing it. And I lift my voice to worship you, O my soul, rejoice. Take joy, my King, in what you hear. May it be a sweet, sweet sound in your So if you didn't know it, we're going to sing it one more time. And we're not just singing it because it sounds good. We're singing it because it's true. The posture of our hearts, Lord, is may it be a sweet sound. May my life be lived in such a way that, it, that it's a sweet sound to your ears. So let's sing it from the depths of our heart. One more time, I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you, to worship you, oh, my soul, rejoice. Take joy, my King, take joy, my King. In what you hear, may it be a sweet sound. May it be a sweet, sweet sound in your ear. Today, go in peace, go in peace. You are loved. Thank you so much for listening today. You can email us at info at cotnaz.org for any questions about our church. When you're done listening, please subscribe to this channel for the latest updates and new episodes.